In your church, you are dismissed to walk. And for everybody else, please sign up for VBS. That it is a great time. You just saw our very good ad there. Um, it's truthful, so please do it. Um, otherwise, Dustin will look like that guy in that video. Okay, we are um, in this series that we've titled, as we're going through Acts, we're in a series that is titled, Troubles and the Church. There are troubles that happen whenever people get together. Uh, we've looked at a few troubles in the church so far, troubles that started within the church and started going out. Um, and today we're going to look at a trouble that started outside and tried to come into the church. There's a name, Matt Emmons. Has anyone ever heard of that name, Matt Emmons? This is him. Um, he's of New Jersey, is a competitive marksmanship with the rifle. He qualified to represent the U.S. in the 2004 Olympic Games. At the Olympics, he was going in the final shot to um, in first place. He was winning. He was in a very comfortable lead. All he had to do to seal the gold medal was to hit a target. He didn't have to get a bullseye. He didn't have to even get close. He just had to hit the target, and he was guaranteed a gold medal. As he positioned his rifle, he brought the sight down, he scoped it out, he got ready, he took a breath, and he fired. And it was a bullseye right in the center. He exhaled and felt his heart beating, waiting to fire. He was so excited. It was a perfect shot. Except it was the wrong target. He was one target over. All he needed was a 6.7 to win gold, a mediocre shot, but that time he got a zero. Dropped him from first place to fourth, so he went from an almost guaranteed gold to not even placing. All because he missed the target. One of the problems, one of the perpetual problems of the church is we aim at the wrong target. Some churches focus on being a political force behind some candidate or some side. That's the wrong target. Some churches focus on being a, a kind of club where you get to socialize with people and build up your economy and your social groupings, and that's the wrong target. Some people view church as a center for social justice for the downtrodden world. That's the wrong target. There are so many wrong targets. We can try to focus on youth groups or young families. We can try to focus on these different age groups. It's the wrong target. Many types of things become the wrong target. We can even look at other churches and say, hey, look how good they're doing. They're being success, successful in that. There was a whole string of times when churches thought they had to have mini buses. They had to. Because a couple churches did it, it exploded in growth. That must be the key. And buses are going to win the church, win people to the church. Wrong target. We can think they're successful, but are they aiming at the right target? And really, this is the question. Let's turn this question inward to us here at St. Joe Church of Christ. Are we aiming at the right target? Jesus gave his followers the right target for all churches to follow. And here it is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does this mean? And this is the condensed version. You can find the more um, detailed version in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Let's go there. Jesus Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the target. How we get to the target can differ between region and churches and all that, but that is the target. That's the goal. That's the mission of the church, to be witnesses right here in our community to make more disciples of Christ. To do that to the very ends of the earth, to do it with him in us, with us, guiding us to make more disciples. We are not here to make new pew warmers. We're not here just to make a bigger building and have bigger things. We're not here for VBS. I love VBS. It is so fun. And the Saturday after it's over, I am so happy it's over. Because I'm exhausted. But we are not here for VBS. VBS is just a way to fix our eyes on the target, which is bringing Jesus to new people. That's all that is. A church on mission, a church on target, knows what they're supposed to be doing. The early church was that kind of church. They took the commission of God, that great commission, very seriously, and they were seeking to fulfill that mission in their lives. They wanted to fulfill that calling, that commission that God had given them. That's why they were of one unity. They were of one mind. They were sharing one love and giving all of that to anybody and everybody that had need so that they could come meet the one God. We have a very lengthy passage for us today, 30 verses in total. So be prepared. Actually, we are not going to cover each one in real depth, um, but I'm going to do my best to get you out for lunch, maybe dinner. But we're going to hit this because it's very vital. Last week, we saw the death of Ananias and Sapphira and the trouble within that church that Peter hit head on. And the church began to grow once more. Right after that, starting verse 12, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs, wonders among the people. And all the believers... All, very encompassing there. All the believers were meeting regularly in the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colony, but no one else dared join them, even though all the people had a high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. Here we see, despite the troubles, they had just had troubles with Ananias and Sapphira, and despite the troubles, the church still ministered to people. They were out in public. They were out there trying to get the message. And they noticed, it said, this includes men and women. The Bible is very specific to say, look, this message of Christ, this message of salvation is for all people. It isn't one of those uh, gender-specific religions. It's not one that's going to alleviate or uh, elevate one side over the other. This one is saying this is for all people. And just in case you didn't get it, it was for men and women, meaning all people. 
This includes healthy and sick. And most of all, the church is willing to serve and minister to sinful people. The church is not here to minister to perfect people. You know how we know this? We are here. Okay? And I've heard people say, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. You're right. Not as much so in the world, though. The world is full of hypocrites, too. Well, the church just thinks it's for perfect people. No, perfect people don't need the church. I go to church because I know I'm not perfect. And I need help. I need support. I need encouragement. I need God. And this early church was saying, I need God, and so do you. And how can I share that with you? But there's something of a paradox right here. And Luke said in verse 13 there, none of the rest joined them, yet the community had high regard for them. The community respected them. What happened last week? Is this all the money he gave? Yep, they died. Very, very stark and weird church service there. And the people heard all about it. There was a natural inclination of saying, these people are real. They're legit in this. And you don't join them unless you're going to be committed. You can't be one of those people that just rags the fence. You cannot plan to be a bench warmer if you're going to that church. You're either all in or you get carried out. And so they had this reputation of being real, but yet they had a great reputation. Um, They were held in high esteem, it said, because why? God was with them. And it was obvious. It was evidence. Balance that with the fact that people were not looking to join them just for social clubs. This shows that they were on target. They were trying to do it, and it was harsh, sometimes mean, you might say, but it was real and authentic because they said, this is what we're going to do. And they did everything to do that. Verse 15 resumes, the thought already begun in 12, says that many signs and wonders were being done through the hands of the apostles. And that thought continues into verse 15. As the result of these apostles' work, sick people were brought, in, um, were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were healed. What we see here is it started out in this little community, but it went out beyond Jerusalem. As those in the surrounding towns started coming into this church, because they saw the real authentic power of these disciples, of Jesus working in them. And then maybe the disciples, this early church was thinking, you know what, Jesus said, it'll start here in Jerusalem, and then go out to Judea, and already Judeans are coming in wanting the message, and then going back home with that message. Despite there was troubles, the church's influence spread. There's all these troubles happening within and without, outside of, and yet the church is doing what? It's growing. No other religious system in the world has such a supernatural, miraculous beginning in Genesis as does biblical Christianity. The record of our faith is established by purity and power. And if you want a comparison, go look at the the beginning of Islam. Compare the record of Muhammad. He was a mass murderer, sexually deviant, 
Compare that to the disciples who self-sacrificed and fought for the rights and, and the freedoms of people, especially freedoms from sin. And they laid down their lives instead of conquering. Compare that to the power of the Holy Spirit, which was morally pure and brought physical life and healing to others. Go look at any other religious platform that's out there and compare it to biblical Christianity. And you'll see there is no comparison. We've got many here today that could testify about the miraculous healing power that God has brought into their life through physical healing, financial provision, through supernatural protections. But do you want me to tell you the greatest miracle you've ever experienced? It's the change of your eternal destination. For you were once lost. You were going to hell. And God gave you a free home in heaven. See, people don't naturally believe the Bible. It's too good to be true. It, it really is. I don't expect a non-Christian to receive the biblical testimony of Jesus and say, okay, I'm in. Let's do it. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolish, foolishness, and cannot understand them because they, um, they are discerned only through the Spirit. What he's saying here is people who don't have the Holy Spirit in them can't understand the depths and the truths of, this, of God's Word because they think it's kind of ridiculous. Who here would think it's a great idea to give 10% of your money to a, another group all the, every week? I'd love for you to do it to me. You would love for everybody to do it to you, but to just do that, that doesn't make sense. Who says that murdering someone is equal to hating? That don't make sense. I would, that doesn't make sense to me in a non-spiritual sense. And so it sounds foolishness to those who don't understand it. But here's the thing. When they, these people who don't understand Scripture start seeing it being lived out in one unity, in one love, in a group of people who shouldn't have to come together, but choose to do so, and they see that one power from the one God, they say, there is one difference there, and I must get to see it. I must get to know it. And so the influence of the church starts spreading because they're of one mind in that. A real church... A real church, not a social group, a real church, a church that is healthy with Christians growing in their faith, will not go through life unopposed. A real church, a healthy church, is going to face hardships, is going to face troubles. You know how I know it? The first church did. And if the first church, which was the closest thing to Jesus establishing the exact church, if they went through troubles... We think we won't. And let's see what happens. Verse 17. The high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy because this church was growing in esteem and influence. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. The community here gets a bit hostile. There's persecution. Successful churches and successful churches are going to make waves. They're going to make waves in the world. And Satan hates it. We need to understand that Satan is going to try to hurt a good church. 
he's going to try and hurt a healthy church. But notice the underlying motives was for the hostile reaction for this influence. It was jealousy. What is it about this ragtag group that doesn't have scholars leading them, their uneducated disciples, that it caused such a hostile jealousy from the Sadducees? It's because they were losing influence, were losing power, and they wanted, here's the big thing, they wanted to be right. How many of you like being right? When you're in an argument, how many of you say, oh man, I love being right? Husbands, how many times has that actually happened? Once. And then she corrected you later. Yeah. We, we want to be right. These Sadducees, these religious leaders, they want to be right. And yet this new group of Christians were saying, you've got it all wrong. It's not supposed to be some military conquest that's going to destroy the Romans. It's not about all these rules and regulations. It's about Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. And those religious leaders were like, wait a minute. I need to show I have something. And so they got jealousy of that. They feared the loss of their control and power position. And they decided not to go without a fight. So they arrest people for preaching. Threw them in the public prison. And this is a, a horrible place. And for a moment, these religious leaders think they've solved the problem. But how naive to think that prison bars could hold God and his movement. So look what happens in verse 19. An angel of the Lord came at night. Now, if you don't believe in angels, you're probably a Sadducee. Okay, just so you know, Sadducees don't believe in angels like this. But an angel of the Lord came at the night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived and convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel... They sent for the apostles to be brought for them for trial. When the temple guards went to the jail, they noticed the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the, cap the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering, where would this end? This I like this section. This group of believers are out there preaching and teaching. They are fulfilling the Great Commission, and they get arrested. They get sent to jail for doing what God told them to do. Then God comes and releases them. And you would think, okay, you did a good job. Now go hide so you don't get hurt or imprisoned again. And the angel says, good, do it again. Go to the exact spot where you are arrested and say the exact same thing which caused them to arrest you. And they did it. This time the angel freed them, but he tells them to keep going. Despite the troubles, the church kept on target. Despite opposition, besides being in prison, they kept on target. And God called them to be bold in persecution. He called them to risk for the gospel. They didn't say, but is it safe? What if we get imprisoned again? Will the establishment accept us this time? They simply went and started preaching and teaching again. And here's where I think so many of us struggle. When I face a little persecution or pushback because of, of being a Christian and, and living that and saying that, sometimes you just, okay, I'll back up, I'll back up. I don't want to cause waves. I don't want to push them away. I, 
And yet every time I read this, it says, stand up. Always in love, always in grace and mercy. But nowhere does it ever say back up, back down. The next morning, council won't decide what to do with them. Let's go to verse 25. Someone arrived with the start of the news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards, arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. They brought the apostles before the high council and the high priests confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem. Now we see this influence, this teaching is spreading. You have filled all Jerusalem with your teachings about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. You ever seen those trick candles for birthdays? They're, they're kind of fun after the second or third time, but then you know, okay, let's just eat cake. This was pre-COVID when you could actually blow candles out on a cake and, and not worry about things. But you blow them out, they fire back up again. You blow them out, they just keep going, and they're funny, and little kids love them. Adults are like, okay, let's give me the cake. Okay? But that's what the Sanhedrin just did to the apostles. They blew them out, got them put away, and boom, they popped right up again. Doing the exact same thing. They couldn't blow out the fire of their faith, and they said, we are going to keep going. They went back preaching with even more confidence. It's not that they were timid. They were spreading everything. And did this, um, did this arrest and all the harassments and threats against them shut them down? No. Look what it says, Proverbs 28.1. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. That's a strong verse, isn't it? The godly are as bold as lions. Apparently the council had forgotten what these apostles had said the last time they were before them. And you go back up into... Acts, where Peter and John are brought before them earlier in Acts, where they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you or men or God, um, let me start that, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, we cannot stop telling what we have seen and heard. That's in Acts chapter 4. And it seems that, seems that they've forgotten because they brought him up. You're doing it again. Look what it says, Acts verse uh, 5, verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on the cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so that people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses. Same word as in the early Acts 1-8 where you will be my witnesses. Same word as in... The Great Commission. We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. Wait, wait a minute. Doesn't this section go against other scriptures? Look, Romans 13.1. For everyone must submit to governing authorities. I thought I'm supposed to obey the governing authorities. God put them there for us. First uh, Peter 2.13, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. And here, Peter and John and the rest of the disciples are saying, we're going to obey God rather than you. Is this a conflict? Is this a discrepancy of Scripture? 
we are to be subject to governing authorities. That's why there's speed limits for safety and guidelines. That's why we don't steal. That's why we don't steal, uh, kill. There are guidelines that we submit to the governing authorities. That is until they tell us to disobey what God has already said. What God has commanded us to do. Or what God says do not do. In those instances, we stand up and say we will follow God over man. If somebody comes and says you are no longer allowed to meet anymore at St. Joe Church of Christ, my first words are going to be, okay, <laughs> stop me. We're going to meet. It may not be in this building, but we're going to meet. We are going to keep meeting because God said he wants his people to meet. If they say quit preaching the Bible, make me. I'm not going to stop that. I can't stop it because it's in here. It's what it says. If the people came in here and said, you can no longer sing. You can't sing worship songs. Really? Why, why would we ever follow that? I mean, Brandon came up and he, it was loud. It was great today, wasn't it? You said so. If they tell us to do something that God has said don't do, or if they tell us to stop doing something that God says you must do, we have to choose. Are we going to follow God? Are we going to follow man? And that's what these verses, yes, you submit to governing authorities unless they contradict Scripture. And this is what we need to do, to plan to do today. We need to stay on target because troubles are coming. A lot of times we think, well, we're in America. It's the land of freedom. We're the religious country. We are the Christian country. None of that's true anymore. It was in the past, but it is not now. Some of the new laws that are trying to be pushed um, by some people in government are directly against God and his church. If this country continues going in that direction, it will soon be illegal to preach, at least the way I do. It will be illegal to preach the way Scripture says we should preach. That will be called hate speech. I won't be able to say that these things here are sins. They will try to silence the church under the guise of that hate speech. And we will, decide, we will have to decide what we will do. Will we act like the church here described in the Bible? Will we, despite, will we, despite facing trouble, stay on task, stay strong, keep preaching and teaching about Jesus? And we can't decide that in that moment. We have to decide it now, before the troubles come. The religious leaders had the apostles beaten, and this was their reaction. Verse 41, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy for suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to preach and teach, to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. First of all, if you've ever spanked a child and they go, woohoo, thank you, you didn't do it right. Okay? Let's just, you don't do that. But here, these disciples were beaten. And they counted it for credit. They, they thought it was awesome. They were gracious to receive suffering for Jesus. Because their target is not on physical comfort. It was on showing what Jesus really means to them. 
When we get to chapter 6, we're going to see Stephen, one of the first deacons, is arrested for what they said, blasphemy. In chapter 7, he's stoned to death. In chapter 8, there's brutal wholesale persecution, ravages the church so much that they have to flee, and they end up going from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and the message keeps spreading. All the apostles are pretty much eventually martyred. How did they continue to move forward? How did the church continue to expand and multiply and fulfill the mission? Because they kept their eyes on the targets. Well, they got off from time to time. They hit the wrong target from time to time, but they readjusted and fixed their target. Started the message talking to you about um, Matt Demons. He had that gold all wrapped up, and then he failed by missing the target. Uh, the 2004 Olympics, but he didn't. He didn't medal then. But that wasn't the end for Matt Demons. Matt would compete in another shooting um, event at. I've got the wrong date, but another Olympics, and he blew the competition away, winning gold medals. And look at all of them. He went from missing the target to now having seven, eight medals. He would go on to win five more world championships and Olympic medals in the 2008 and 2012 and others. Why? Because he readjusted his aim and shot the right target. And it can be brutal to do that. Uh, Our family, it's springtime, so you know what we're doing? We're getting the garden ready for all the new growth. And, and to do that, you've got to rake out a lot of the dead. And sometimes you've got to put some worm compost or worm castings in it to help liven it up. And you've got to do this to start mixing things up and to get going. And you know what happens when you do this? Real growth happens. And then new flowers and the new growth, and it starts growing better. And you know some things are going to happen in the church. But if we handle it the right way and point it to God... It's going to bring about real growth. If you want to know why I'm smiling, go talk to Greg later. So, but are we ready for that? There's troubles coming. There are troubles in our lives. There are troubles in our communities, in our country. There are some troubles even in the church. None of that should keep us off target. If we're going to be a growing church, a real church, a healthy church, we must be sure that we are aiming at the right target. That we are aiming at being the church of the Great Commission. No matter what troubles come, we need to be ready to stay on target. One of my favorite movies growing up, Star Wars. Some of you just think that's ridiculous, and I'm not going to say Croc or other people's names who think that that's just a worthless movie. But in there, the in the, the real Star Wars, not the newer ones, okay? Um, but there's one where they're trying to shoot the Death Star, and they're getting closer to stay on target, stay on target, stay on target, and they missed. They missed. Because they were trusting man-made things. We cannot trust man-made things to stay on target. We've got to trust the only one, which is God. We've got to trust Him. And His Word tells us how we're going to succeed. His Word tells us how we're going to grow and be fruitful and multiply in this church through our faith and influence. There's going to be troubles. If you've come to this church hoping it's going to be a real peaceful and just nice, easy thing, you're in the wrong place. Because we're here to preach God's word. 
We're here to preach His Word, which says some of this stuff is wrong. And this is what we must do. And that's called judgment. But we want to face the earthly judgment here so we don't have to face an eternal judgment later. And we want to help you find that. If you've never experienced that, let us talk to you. Let us walk you through those steps. Because these troubles don't have to overcome you. These troubles don't have to dictate your life. Because we have someone. He said in this world you're going to face many troubles, but... Be sure of this. I have overcome the world. I have overcome all the troubles that you'll ever face. They're temporary. He's not. So we're going to go back into a time of worship where we can elevate, we can worship, and we can praise him. Because he is the source of true peace. That he can take these troubles and make something beautiful bloom out of them. If we go to him. Let's stand and let's worship.